the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer with Continuing End Time Insights, talking this week again about deception. We started last week, and it's so important. You know, the enemy only has one weapon against the church, and that's deception. And as we pointed out last week, you know, it's up to man whether that weapon will be formed and prosper against him, because God tells us, let no man deceive you. And if Jesus says that, he says it in Matthew 24, he says, if If no man is to deceive you and we allow him to, basically that's just disobedience. But the fact that we have the power, the authority, the right to not receive deception should mean that the church should never be deceived. The second Greek word is where we left off last week. We talked about the first Greek word for deception was planeo, and it means to roam away, to take one away from their place of safety. And the second Greek word that we want to uh, continue on is called apateo, and it means to cheat you and to delude you. Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. We talked about that before. Uh, Commentator Phillips writes that, for of this much you can be certain, that neither the immoral nor the dirty-minded man nor the covetous man has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Don't let anyone fool you on this point, however plausible the argument may be. It is these very things which bring down the wrath of God upon the disobedient. So we're told, once again, don't let anybody deceive us. Uh, The words cheat you and delude you. And what are they cheating you out of, folks? Well, whatever God's given you, your blessing, uh, your health, At the end of the day, they're after your soul. They cheat you out of your salvation. There's no other prize for Satan than the soul of man that could do great damage. Don't ever forget that as wicked a creature as man is without God, he is nothing compared to Satan. Remember this, every false doctrine, every evil thought, every wicked imagination comes from the heart of Satan. Man doesn't come up with the lies from himself. They originate from the father of lies. Webster delude, definition he gives, to deceive or to impose upon, to lead one from the truth or into error, to mislead the mind or judgment, to beguile. Cheat is generally applied to deception concerning bargains or business transactions, and delude refers to deception in thought and opinion. Webster says that one who deludes another preys upon the mind of the victim, and this is where we left off and I want to pick up on this. 
It's very important. I'm going to tell you things about the mind that you probably haven't heard. There are so many misinformation out there. So let's look at the mind for a minute and understand its role in the act of deceiving, deceiving oneself, being deceived. First, what is the command in the Bible concerning our minds, right? There are some misconceptions about our minds in Christianity. For example, some teach that the mind is the battlefield. Well, that's not supported in Scripture. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Okay, so we know that. We want to be transformed. Well, how do we get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in our lives. So your mind is a transforming agent in the fight against the enemy's deception upon you. You must renew your mind. That's why we're told, read the Bible all the time. We are commanded by the word to renew our minds from reprobate mind to righteous mind. Furthermore, Paul then describes for us the purpose and the character of this mind of Christ in the heart of the believer. So this should clear some stuff up. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. This verse introduces the topic for discussion, and that's a spiritual topic, warfare. It tells us three things. Number one, the church is in a war, right? The weapons of our warfare, agreed? Right, the church is in a war. It is not a carnal war, but a spiritual war. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right there. And our weaponry is mighty. It's so mighty it can pull down spiritual strongholds in our lives and the lives of others. So important. And then the next verse introduces us to one of those weapons. So verse 5 is going to give us insight into what one of those weapons look like. So important. Let me read verse 4 again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing or thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Paul has just described for us what? Let's read Romans 7.25. I thank God, Paul writes, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There's an important distinction right there. He separates the mind from the flesh. He separates the assignment of the mind from the impact of the flesh. Number one, the assignment of the mind is what? To serve the word, serve the law of God. And, of course, the flesh, the law of sin. Paul has just described for us in verse 5 what? The mind of Christ. Not only has he described for us the mind of Christ, which is in us when we renew it according to the word, but he also tells us how it operates in warfare. This is so good, so interesting. The mind of Christ, it casts down fantasies and fabrications that would challenge the word of God or oppose the word of God, and then it reveals the standard by which we use this weapon, this mind. When in battle, the mind of Christ takes captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Not Ron's obedience, that is finite. It's God's obedience, Jesus' obedience, which is infinite. But it's so important. That does not sound like a battlefield to me. 
That sounds like a weapon. And Paul plainly tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Verse 5, he tells us what it is. It is the mind of Christ, whereby we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge or the word of God. And how do we do that? We do that by bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. That is the mind of Christ. And it is the furthest thing from a battlefield. And let me help you with this. In World War II, America was in a war, was it not? Yes, it most certainly was. But was the war in America? No. Well, it's the same way with your mind. Your mind is in a war. But the war shouldn't be in your mind. We've got to take these thoughts captive. It's not a battleground. It's a weapon. This mind of Christ, one would say it's the intellect of Christ, and it's housed as part of our soul, and it is stored not in our heads, but it resides in our hearts. You must understand that. Your heart thinks thoughts. Remember Webster on what delude means? It is to mislead the mind. Guarding one's heart includes renewing one's mind. Did you get that? Webster says that the word delude is to mislead the mind, but the mind is not up top on top of your nose. It's in your heart down here in the center of your being, and it's housed in your soul. Back to Romans, Paul says, we serve God with our minds, the mind and the heart working together in partnership, in harmony to defeat the law of sin, which works through our flesh. We're talking about deception and we're talking about the inroad Satan makes into deceiving the church. Joyce Meyer, a very famous preacher, writes a book on the battlefield of the mind. And you've got to be careful. God got a weapon. And it's the mind of Christ. Now, if somebody's teaching me that that's where the battlefield is, well, then I have removed it as a weapon against deception. And I now have allowed it to be the harbor area. I've now allowed it to be the battlefield where wins and losses take place. That's not what the Bible talks about. Joyce and others refer to this as a battlefield. That's not quite right. In God's eyes, your mind is a weapon whereby we serve God. You're going to lose your ability to serve God as you should if you allow thoughts to go in there back and forth battling you. Your mind and your heart working, coordinating the word of God in defense of your soul, not allowing you to be deceived. Catch this. The mind fights the battle. It guards the soul through obedience to God's word. But know this, the battlefield is not in your mind. The battle isn't in your mind. It is for your mind. That's a world of difference. I own my mind. I am not trying to take possession back from the enemy of it. I own it. I fill it with the word of God and I am transformed and it becomes a weapon. Just like in America. America was in a war, World War II, but the war wasn't in America. Your mind is in a battle, but the battle should not be in a mouth. You'd be walking around like you'd be schizoid, right? One more this, up and down. You'd be double-minded. And Jesus has something to say about being double-minded in James. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if you've got a battle going on there, you're double-minded. You say, well, I am healed. Well, no, I'm not healed. Well, I feel sick, therefore I can't be healed. But the Bible says I'm healed. Well, you know, I'm going to obey God concerning this. 
And well, you know, you don't have to. There's grace. You know, you are single in purpose, single in thought. You take those thoughts that uh, come against the word of God. You know, well, it's okay to sin a little bit. No, it's not okay to sin a little bit. Well, my preacher talked about grace. This is the age of grace, and well, our sins don't count for much anymore. No, the wages of sin will still kill you. You must understand that. James 1, 6 through 8, once again, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And look what it said. Let not that man that is wavering think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Well, how are you ever going to operate in faith if one day you're up and the next day you're down? Well, if you think that your mind is a battlefield, you win some, you lose some, you're going to think like that. But if you recognize that your mind is a weapon and you do what Paul says and you take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus, you are going to defend yourself against those thoughts. You are going to win those battles and your mind will be the sharpest weapon you've got in your arsenal. James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jesus says, I don't want you double-minded. Actually, he says it a little stronger than that. If you are double-minded, you're unstable. And he even tells you, you're not going to get anything. He doesn't even tell you you're going to get anything. He says, don't even think you're going to get anything. Don't even think you're not going to get anything if you are double-minded. That's the standard. He goes, I can't honor that. We must understand the spiritual process of receiving deceit. And that's what I'm talking about. Receiving deceit. Nobody makes you receive deceit. You choose to receive deceit. You are a free will agent. Simply put, God has placed in you the desire to renew your mind, which becomes the mind of Christ. It's God's word influencing your mind in your soul, which is housed in your heart, which encases your soul. They are all to be working together to protect one another. Remember, the goal is your soul. And it's your job to guard your heart so that it isn't taken captive. The mind guards the soul. The heart hides the word, which in turn protects the mind, whereby we control our flesh. One more time. The mind guards the soul. The heart hides the word, which in turn protects the mind, whereby we control the flesh. I love that. You got to get that straight. You got to understand the standard for Christianity, the standard for Christian thinking is you take every thought captive. That's what Paul said. If Paul said it, you can do it. I'll be honest with you. When I got born again back in 1981, probably the first six months to a year, I will admit I actually did this. I was saturated in the word of God. I was reading the word of God 10 chapters a day. I read the Bible through the first year three times. I wanted to know. I wanted to know what God had for me. It was God talking to me personally. It was real. There was nothing else. I was consumed by the word of God. And I was literally taking every thought captive. That doesn't mean I may have walked by a liquor store and I never had a thought for a beer. The thought may have come, but what did I do? I took it captive. I had a scripture. I will set no wicked thing before my eye. I had verses that would protect me. I've been made free from sin, shall not have dominion over me. I fought the fight. I fought it with the word of God, and I was victorious. Now, the attacks that come against us are different. I admit I have my battles. I am not taking every thought captive. I used to be involved in pornography, and you can't watch a sporting event without seeing pictures of women trying to seduce you, and it begins in the mind. I take them captive still, but I may dally. I may not be as quick 
in the olden days, I may sit there for a couple of seconds and, whoa, Ron, you're under assault. Wake up, wake up. And immediately I got to take that thought captive. And that's the process of warfare. But the battle isn't in my mind. I've armed my mind with the word of God so that I may serve God. Hallelujah. We must understand the spiritual process of receiving deceit. It is a choice. Part of our free will that we get from God is for this particular purpose. So the third Greek word used for deceit is exapateo, and it means to seduce you wholly. If you have reached this place, it is too late. 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. What? Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you, I don't need Satan to deceive me. I can do it my own. I don't need those people lying to me. I don't need the false prophet deceiving me. I can do it myself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool then he may be wise. Here's a new aspect to deception that the Bible talks about. We haven't seen it yet. Mankind has the power to deceive himself. You know, and that's the good news, bad news. Man's a free will agent. Good news, he gets to make up his mind. Bad news, he's not doing a good job. If a man can choose whether to accept deceit or not, then when we accept a deception, we have succeeded in deceiving ourselves. And it's in this context that the completed act of deception is seen. This is the strongest of the three Greek words for deceit, and it refers to the completed work of deception. The work is finished. The die has been cast. This particular deception has ruined the temple of the Lord, and it is now ripe for what? For God to destroy it. He just said he would. This person has deceived himself. He needed no help. Remember, deceit is found in the heart of man, and now we see the penalty for such deception. Destruction from God himself. Wow. I don't know if there's any coming back from such a harsh judgment. I hope so. I pray that there is. God always gives grace. The mistake of deceiving oneself carries such a strong penalty. I do know there are other verses that are used in describing the false in the church and how they too have deceived hearts. And while they are deceiving others, they are deceiving themselves as well. Understand this. People don't deceive you. We allow ourselves to be deceived. Look at this. 2 Timothy 3.13 confirms what I just said. But evil men... And imposters, it is my belief that over half the preachers standing in pulpits in America today are imposters. But evil men and imposters shall wax worse and worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. We're talking about church people, folks. We're talking about church leaders. We're talking about people that are leading you. Question, where are they taking you? Evil men and imposters are everywhere, and mostly they are hiding out in plain sight in church pews and pulpits. They will what? Wax worse and worse. To me, that's an interesting choice of words. Wax, it's a good word. When one waxes something, it brightens the shine on it or it increases the shine. Uh, when one waxes a surfboard, it makes it more efficient in the water. One waxes furniture or they wax a car to make them more appealing that's what these evil imposters are doing. They are getting better and better at their evil occupations. They are growing bolder and they are increasing in evil. Guys, this is what awaits us today, tomorrow, next week, next year. They are wholly sold out to their evil assignments, being placed there by satanic impetus for the purpose 
of deceiving both you and me. There's no hope for them. They have already been wholly seduced, and now they're coming after you. You know, they're not called evil men for no reason. Yet, Paul does not leave Timothy defenseless. Thank you, Lord. Verse 14 through 16. But abide thou in the things which you have heard and learned and has been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God would be made perfect, thoroughly complete in Christ Jesus. As Paul warns Timothy of the increased evil in mankind, he guarantees Timothy's safety and success by reminding him of the word. Over and over and over again, it's always God's word that will be the place of safety and protection for the child of God. To avoid the false, we must trust what's true. We must trust the word. Paul writes of trusting the knowledge of scripture alone to give eternal life. Satan's assaults are relentless. So must our word intake be. It's only God's word that can cut through the beguiling nature of evil. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Amplified, Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. Paul, he reminds Timothy, as I'm reminding you guys, the Holy Scriptures can make you wise unto salvation. I love it. The Holy Scriptures can make you wise unto salvation. It's in Scripture and Scripture alone that will keep one free from deception or, if needed, deliver one from an existing deception. And I was like that. I left the Catholic Church. I got saved. I got born again in the Word of Faith movement. And it was great. It was tremendous. But over the course of time, with the advent of the prosperity aspect of the gospel, with the advent of preachers uh, speaking hyper-grace, grace-giving grace um, characteristics that aren't true— the Word of Faith movement has kind of drifted away from truth, and basically it's just another religion now. I needed to get delivered from that. So I know that the knowledge of Scripture is what brought me freedom from being trapped in it. That's how I got free from the false stuff that was going on growing up as a Catholic, where I was not allowed to do this, I was not allowed to do this. Uh, and I see the Catholics are growing now. They're considering allowing priests to marry. What a great move you know, it's no wonder the abuse they've taken with the men, uh, the priests, and the sexual stuff that came against them. And this is a great step forward to freeing those men, I believe. That's my thought. We're praying for that, that they would come around to getting right that, hey, Paul talks about forbidding to marry. That's not Bible. So we need to protect the men of God. Hallelujah. So pray for them that God continues to work in them. So Paul reminded Timothy, as I'm reminding you, it's only in the Holy Scriptures alone that you are going to receive your salvation, John eight thirty two, And you know, or you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's what has freed me from religion twice. I like this verse because it's here where we literally see the power of Scripture, the power of God's Word, knowing God's Word, His truth's going to do something for you. It's not only going to do something for you, what's that, setting you free, but it's also going to do something to you. It's going to make you. It's going to create in you. It's going to bring you to a place of freedom in your life. 
as we operate in this world constantly at odds with the worldly temptations and deception from the deceiver, you know, he's called the, the father of lies and lies, they are deception. So he's also the father of deception. We must remember Satan, the father of lies. The purpose of lies is to deceive you. Thereby, Satan himself is also the father of lies. I will pick up on this next week. I'm out of time. I want to encourage you. Like I said, the deceptions are out there daily. The danger that we face is out there daily. Therefore, so too the warnings must be given daily. You know, telling me that there's a pothole on I-45 right before you get to Cypress Wood and then removing the sign doesn't work. As long as the pothole is there, I need that sign out there. Well, we are giving you signs that Satan is after your soul and we are giving you the truth to avoid being deceived. We love you. Father, I thank you for the people that listen here. I hope they're getting fed. I hope their eyes are being opened. The entrance of your word, Father God, giveth light. So shall your word be that goes forth in the earth. It will not return void, but it shall prosper into the thing whereto I send it. It shall accomplish that which I choose it to do. Father, thank you. Bless the hearers of this word. Prosper the word in their lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.